Hey, welcome to the Nerd Show, where your buddies screw up your gaming. That was Star Wars, man. I'm sorry, but we had a show to do. Whatever. I'm Matt. I'm Mike. And we are the nerds. That's right. So, we weren't intentionally um, planning on doing a show this week, but it kind of came up out of nowhere when we started talking about things coming up in the store, need to be talked about. Um, and then probably the biggest news in nerd world this week is the Star Wars movie coming out. Mm-hmm. So yep. we're going to talk in depth in, about that down the road in the show. Um, we but, will give spoiler warnings, so don't worry about that. But yeah, you definitely have some time before we have to worry about yeah. that. Um, so let's just jump right off into store news, because that's yes. one of the main reasons we came on today. Mm-hmm. Um, no major updates since last week when we did our last show, but this Friday is going to be a draft tournament for Yu-Gi-Oh!, so be sure to come check that out post-holiday season. Um, and then we did want to talk a little bit more about the New Year's Eve party coming up. I mean, yes. I'm really excited for that. I am too. Yeah, we last episode we got into this a little bit farther into the episode, so we wanted to recap it now at the beginning so those that haven't had a chance to watch it all knows exactly what's going on and yeah we're gonna have the store wide open from seven to two with unlimited games for you pizza snacks drinks and uh it's just gonna cost you 15 bucks to have a fantastic time jack in the box on the big screen for you jack box party pack that's what's going to be on the big screen. I don't know what this jack-in-the-box that people keep talking about is. It's jack-box party back. It's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. Uh, but that's going to be on the big screen. Um, we're going to have, like he said, all the tables open for games. We're going to have, ooh, um, Alan, off to the side here watching us, yes. just uh, reminded us there's going to be a D&D-themed session. Two of them, I guess. There's going to be one in the first half of the night, another one in the second half of the night. So for people who are interested in showing up, playing some D&D, but they also want to partake of the other things going on in the store as well, namely like the Jackbox or the console gaming or even tabletop board games, we have plenty of board games to play. Um, you, don't feel, you don't have to join in the D&D and feel like your entire night is just done. You can do... We'll cut it up for you. Yep. You can do the 7 to 10 segment and then enjoy the rest of the stuff the rest of the night, or you can come in, enjoy... You know, games and whatnot from 7 to 10, and then join in the second half session later and on in the night. that is included in the 15 price. Yep. So just 15 bucks, and you're getting all of that for you for a six-hour session. Oh, yeah. So hopefully it's going to be a lot of fun that night. Um, but we did want to, I guess, dive into some of the giveaways we're going to be doing that night. So when you walk in the door, you're going to get a raffle ticket. If you buy anything at the store that night, every $5 you spend gets you a raffle ticket. And then we're also going to be giving away just promo raffle tickets throughout the night. Like, Gunter, our DM for the D&D session, he's going to have, you know, five or six raffles to give away to players throughout the night. We're going to give away raffle tickets for you know, casual skin play of all the TCG games. And we'll probably throw some other raffle tickets for Jackbox winners and the like. Nice. Um, but what you all want to see is, what do those raffle tickets do? So... Um, based on how many people show up for the night, we're going to be drawing X number of prizes. Meaning, yeah, if uh, a ton of people show up, the more prizes we're going to give away. Um, so we got a handful of stuff to show you that we're going to be giving away that night. First order of business is our nice little, oh my gosh, Ooh. the green screen's killing Pikachu. It's supposed yes. to be yellow, not black, but it's a, it's a really cool-looking Pikachu. Uh, we're giving that away that night. Oh, there, Pika Pika. 
<laughs> Here, I'll get it. I'll get a yellow for you. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, FunkCon Planet. That's pretty cool looking. We got the Smash Bros. What do you call that? The Orb? Yeah, something. The Smash Ball. Sorry. Dragon Ball Z Four Star Ball. We got the Nintendo or the NES controller. Pokeball. Really cool looking stuff here. And the Dragon Ball Z card. This is like the back of a Dragon Ball Z. Not, sorry. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> I, my mind's on Dragon Ball. Um, uh, speaking of mistakes, so there was actually a couple of mistakes we made on the last episode. And I figured it would be a great segue. One of the mistakes being Jack in the Box. That's one that we made. But Alan corrected us on a couple other ones. Do you remember what they were? Smash did win, I think, multiplayer game of the year. And then when I said that Fire Emblems wasn't on the list anywhere, apparently I... There's a lot of game awards. Yeah, um, so we, we missed a, We dropped the ball a couple Apparently times. I didn't scroll far enough because Fire Emblems did win tactical game of the year. Okay. So. All right. So sorry about that. But back to the prizes. That's not all we have. We're going to be giving away booster packs for all the various TCGs as well. Now, if you're thinking... I don't want to get stuck with like a Dragon Ball pack when I don't play Dragon Ball. We're going to have all the prizes set on a prize table. So when you win a raffle, it's going to be first come, first serve. But when you win a raffle, you get to come to the table and choose which prize that you want. So nice. ho hopefully that doesn't lead anybody to being stuck with a prize they really don't care about. So that'll be December 31st, like uh, Matt said, 7 to 2 p.m. Hmm. We're going to have a lot of fun. Come join us. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. Speaking of parties, um, something that we, NerdHQ the store, do that not a lot of people really know about is our party packages. Yeah, they, uh, they go out. You Actually, there's a couple of packages, one being within the store and one being mobile. And we actually got a really cool video to show you for our mobile, and we'll talk more about it after this. So take a look. So, Mike, you're going to know more about that than I am, but tell me, how many people did you actually have show up at that? Uh, I think there was uh, probably 20 to 30 there, at least. Man, more, that, maybe. I oh, higher. That. Alan's saying higher. There was quite a few people there. Um, so that particular party, we had 12 big screen TVs. We had 12 consoles. We brought a big number of board games in. We set everything up, and... People showed up and just had a lot of fun playing games. That's one of the bigger packages. That's like you have to contact us ahead of time and set that up. That's not part of our basic packages that we offer. But that was a fun night. It was a big party. Uh, that was at Edward, Edgewood Baptist Church. want to give it, them a shout-out. Thank you for letting us use that video clip to promote our yeah. party packages. Um, but part of our basic party package, like you were mentioning, in the store being the main one and mobile one being the other, um, the in-the-store one, we have a private room that will set up tables. We can set up consoles, whatever games you want. You can set up some tables for food, cake, whatever you want. And that 
room is exclusively yours to use for the party. But we want to make sure that people know that they're not confined to the room. Yeah. Meaning, so you have that exclusive rights to the room. Nobody else except for party yours can go in there, but you are allowed to come out in the rest of the store and play games at the tables, play games on the wall, come use the arena if you really wanted to for the party. Um, that's all included in our in-store party package. Last week, Oculus was the game of the week, and Oculus can be a choice for you as well. I, I got a new game up there that I've been playing like crazy. It's, it's a <laughs> lot of fun. So if you've never tried the Oculus, you got to get here. Yep. Uh, so our in-store party package, and luckily their price is the same, but it's $200. And with that, you get three hours of exclusive access to the room. You get to use exclusive monitors for your party. Um, and then you get unlimited access to all the games we have in the store for that time. And if you want a party longer than three hours, it's $50 per hour beyond the initial three. Is, are you guys, you're, you're doing the nerd New Year's coming up, which is allowing you to do overnight. Are you guys considering ever jumping into maybe doing overnight parties that they can... That, again, is going to, it's part of the party package, um, but for after hours, they have to essentially talk to us or contact us and inquire about what dates might work for the after hours. That would be pretty cool. I would, I would look into that myself. Yeah. Um, and then the mobile package is what you saw in that clip where we bring our stuff to where your party's at. We'll come in, we'll set up tables, we'll set up the consoles, we'll bring the games to you so that all you have to do is bring the party and we'll, we'll provide the games and the fun. Um, that's priced exact same way, $200, it gets you three hours, not including setup, we'll come in prior to setup, and then we won't start tearing down until the party's done after that three hour mark, and if you want a longer party, it's an additional $50 per hour after the initial three. Um, a little history of where this idea came about, um, when we were in the planning process of the store, I brought up the idea of mobile services because Years back when my sister was getting married, my brother-in-law had a bachelor party, and it was essentially what you saw in that video, just a big gaming night. Um, but there was no business like this where we could call up, say, hey, bring all the consoles and uh, TVs and set it up. He had to contact everyone. was like, hey, can you bring your TV? Can you bring your Xbox? Can you do this? And so all that's the party... What, that's what the nerds want. They don't want to go out and... A lot of bachelor parties is going out and just getting wasted. But the nerds... Hey, guys, come over. I'm going to kick your butt in some Halo. That's <laughs> sweet. Let's do it. So that's kind of where that idea came. And it can be used for bachelor parties. It can be used for any type of party, all the way down to kids' parties. Um, we've done a few kids' parties now today, and those have been a lot of fun as well. So keep us in mind if you're planning your next kids' birthday party, bachelor party, whatever party. Uh, we'd love to help you have a lot of fun during that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... We kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. This is kind of a special episode. We're going to talk a lot of Star Wars. You don't have to worry just yet. We're not going to talk Episode Nine until later, and we will let you know before we do so. Um, we are actually going to start off talking about the series so far. So the we're going to talk up to. Yep. Yes. So we're going to hit on points from Episodes One through Eight, maybe some Clone Wars and Rebels stuff, but we're not going to really get into spoilery stuff yet. So. If you're wanting to dip out for Episode 9 talk, you're welcome to stick around for this part of the segment because we're not talking Episode 9 until after we're done talking about the lead-up. This is what you'll see when we get into the spoilers. Go ahead and show them a little preview. So when you see that, ixnay, if you don't want to know any spoilers. So 
don't worry, we got you covered. We'll make sure that we don't ruin it for you. Um, we've almost ruined it for ourselves. It's because we went and saw this movie, <laughs> what, two nights ago now? Yeah, Saturday night. And we said to each other, we cannot talk about this until the showing, and it's been driving us nuts. <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking. We've been talking about it while not talking about it. like we'll we'll skirt around it it's just it's been driving us nuts so we're looking forward to getting into this just as much as you're looking forward to hearing about it i mean if it's something we know star wars fans want to do is talk about the movie <laughs> we we literally walked out of the theater and we looked at each other and said this sucks <laughs> and then he he gave me a ride home that night it was just silence <laughs> awkward silence yeah but luckily now we can talk about it in a bit. So, the series so far. Let's start with episodes one through th- three, the prequel trilogy. Yes. That's Generally, the one with uh, whiny Anakin. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the prequel trilogy generally did not go over too well, um, mainly because of some decisions George Lucas made, more emphasis on CGI than storytelling. Yeah. Um, what are your initial thoughts, retro? Respectively of the prequel trilogy? Well, I would say that my initial thoughts would have been before I, I recently watched them again. And before watching them again, my initial thoughts were watching them as a kid, and I thought, oh, these are amazing, these are great. But you grow up eventually, and you realize, hmm, so they're a little cringy. Um, the, the first one, The Phantom Menace, it it was okay. The second one I enjoyed, and I have yet to rewatch the third one. Hopefully soon. But I wouldn't say they're terrible. I would no, by no means call them terrible. So I would generally agree with what you just said. Um, I loved them as a kid growing up. I got a little bit wiser, and um, they're not as great as I remember them being as a kid, but I still will watch them when I'm watching Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you view them now after watching the newest trilogy, 7 through 9? Not to give any spoilers for 9, just based on the direction they went and the, I guess, the fallout of episodes 7 and 8 at the very least, does that change your opinion slightly or does it just give you a better understanding of the series? I think that's what we as viewers all need to do is take a step back and view the storyline overall rather than critiquing it from the decade that it came out or um, some bad acting in some instances but just look at the story and when you do that um, I think overall it was pretty good but I'll explain more about it later there are some things that I'm like did they explain everything has it been wrapped up so yeah I was reading up on some other feedback with looking at episodes one through three in the light of seven through nine. And one thing that stood out to me is while one through one through three might have failed in many of the execution standpoints, it at least told a grand overarching story. But. So that's episodes one through three. Now, four through six, generally regarded as the core slash best of the Star Wars. Yeah, you if you want to enjoy 1 through 3 or 7 through 9, you have to have to make yourself forget 3 through 6 exists. 
if you're a Star Wars avid fan. If because if you don't make yourself conv- convince yourself they don't exist, you're you're never going to be able to enjoy one through three or seven through nine, in my opinion. Oh, I mean, that, I guess I shouldn't say never. It depends on who you are. That's what Mike and I were talking about earlier, is Star Wars fans seem to be the hardest to really um, share anything new concerning Star Wars, is because they're going to go in and say, I'm going to break you apart piece by piece, and if you do just the slightest thing that I think is wrong, you suck. Yeah, I think my words were that Star Wars fan base is really hard to please. With like basically what you were talking about, um, four, five, and six came out, seventy-eight, eighty, and eighty-two or eighty-three, somewhere in there. So they've been around a long time, and they have a very love loving fan base, loved fan base. Yeah, but the problem is with such a large fan base, different sects of that fan base have drawn their own conclusions of what they think future of Star Wars or even the prequel of Star Wars looks like. Granted, in their defense, I mean, before even the prequels came out, there was just this world created from fans that George Lucas either canon or he did not canon. And so they had, you know, those comics, they had those series, they had a way where they saw, okay, I know where this is going. I mean, they didn't get really prequels, so the prequels (laughs) was different, but... Seven through nine, basically, it it might have just killed what they already saw Star Wars going, like the direction Star Wars is going. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's the point I was trying to make is, through fan fiction or otherwise, they have their ideals of what they think Star Wars should be, and like you were saying, anything that contradicts what they think it should be tends to rub them the wrong way, rather than being able to take that step back and look at somebody else's perspective of what they think Star Wars should be. Um, the, uh, oh, I forgot the word. The biased versus unbiased. Yep. So in case you didn't catch it last week, this whole segment that we're doing right now that we're going to try and do with every episode is have an opinionated section. Um, essentially what we want to talk about is different opinions and kind of gauging bias versus unbiased because we live in a world that is full of seemingly biased opinions. And we kind of want to dissect opinions in general. Sadly, biased opinions that also come with, if you don't agree with it, I don't hear what you're saying. So that's another thing that we want to eliminate. We are the nerd community. Um, It's okay to have separate opinions, and it's okay to step back and say, "Mm, I can respect what you're saying. So that's that's what we're doing here. We're just saying, hey, step back for a minute. I know this is what you love, what you enjoy, but let's get into the biased and the unbiased. Yep. Um, before we move on from four through six, I do want to touch on Clone Wars series, the, the cartoon series, and the Rebel series just a little bit um, to give a brief history of different direction, I guess. There was fan fiction from a writer called Timothy Zahn. It's actually one of the more beloved of the fan fiction series because he wrote a continuation series of Luke, Leia, and Han that the fans loved, but something he also did in that series is he created one of the most interesting antagonists that I think I've come to know in the Star Wars universe. His name was Thrawn. Okay. He's a Chiss from the Outer outer Realms, and he's hyper-intelligent, hyper-tactical, and he was a Grand Admiral under the Emperor Inzon's 
series. Now, obviously, that's not canon. But something cool that Disney did with the Rebels series is they canonized Zahn's fan fiction character by bringing in this Chiss tactical Grand Admiral by the name of Thrawn, and he is an antagonist in a good portion of the Rebel series. Um, so I just like to use that as an example of you know, shaking up the formula of Star Wars in a good way. At least it's generally thought of as a good way with the Rebel series, because as far as I can tell, the fans really like both Clone Wars series and the Rebels series. Rebels is one the new the newest one, correct? The newest fleshed out one. It takes place between episodes three and four, but they're making a new one called Resistance, which okay. is what, supposed to be so, the lead up to episode seven. Rebels is finished. I believe so. Okay. All right. Yeah. But if you haven't checked it out, there's a lot of cool story stuff both in Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, they go beyond what is talked about in the series, and even like. You might try to separate it from the series, but it is canon. This stuff actually happened in the Star Wars universe, and we'll talk a little bit more on that later when we get to Episode 9. Um, but moving on, Episode 7. We'll take these one at a time because they're more fresh. What were your thoughts on 7 when you first saw it? The Force Awakens. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed Episode 7. The Force Awakens. I, d I didn't have any issues with it. Um, I, I've got Alan over here shaking his head, and my brain keeps going to Episode Eight. So I, I honestly, I, I cannot, I can't focus on Episode Seven. So I'm just gonna let you jump into it. <laughs> I absolutely loved Episode Seven, mainly because you'd been waiting for a Star Wars movie for so long. I have always been a fan of J.J. Abrams. Yes. I, I'm a fan of him. I, I am I'm a fan. I think sometimes he makes weird decisions in his directing style. Sometimes. But overall, I am a fan of J.J. Abrams. Um, and I liked Episode 7 a lot. Um, people, talking about the fan base, harped on 7 for being too similar to New Hope, Episode 4. And I can see that. Because it did tread a lot of the same paths that New Hope did all the way down to the attack on Starkiller Base at the end of Episode 7. Um, I remember that. But talking about the opinions of the fan base, while 7 isn't quite as divided or divisive as Episode 8, it did sh have its fair share of divisiveness. Um, I came across Star Wars fans who essentially wrote off Star Wars after Episode 7 because they killed off Han Solo. Um, essentially, in their mind... They kind of stomped Spoiler. all over. <laughs> the movie's four years old, man. Um, four years old. Comments if you want. Spoiler, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but certain fans felt like J.J. Abrams and Disney were just stomping on their beloved character. I don't agree with that opinion. I um, mean, it's fine if you have that opinion. I don't agree with it because if you look at Han's story arc, like you were talking about in episode four, when... He wanted to be selfish. He wanted to go do his own thing, but he set that selfishness aside for somebody that he cared about, being Luke and saving him on the Death Star attack. And the only difference between the two was they survived. They yeah. lived that battle. Um, whereas in The Force Awakens, came selfless for his son and just turned out that he didn't survive that. His luck ran out finally. 
because that's what Han Solo is about is the luck and it just eventually it ran out yeah so I didn't feel like Han was ruined it was actually very touching for me I teared up watching that part in the theaters I really did uh, but overall I liked Force Awakens um, and yeah. I thought that even though it was very similar to New Hope it felt like he was using that platform to go his own direction um, in the future. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I mean, uh, yeah, I would just agree. Let's just jump into the next one. So talking about the future, J.J. Abrams unfortunately did not get to do Last Jedi. They unfortunately tapped, is right. <laughs> they tapped Rayon Johnson for that. Um, so I'm going to start this one off because I'm probably the only person in the room here who actually enjoyed the, for, or the Last Jedi when it came out, and I am one of very few fans who actually enjoyed it. But, so, for me, yes, it was different. It was its own direction, but I kind of admired it for that, and I don't share a lot of the opinions of other fans that say that it ruined Star Wars, it ruined Luke, it ruined whatever. Um, I can view it in different lights, and while I don't think it's a perfect movie, there's plenty that is wrong with that movie. Plenty that they threw into that movie just for the sake of doing it. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I'll get back to that in a little bit. But I did enjoy the movie. I liked Luke's story. I liked Luke's story arc in that movie. I thought it was very well done, very well acted. I mean, it's Mark Hamill. Come on. Well, we were talking about it, actually, not too long ago on how Luke's story really it represented it embodied another story from sec uh the, the fourth movie yoda yeah it's his master and basically just took the same path as his master well that and i heard one fan call luke a coward for his actions being a hermit in episode eight and that you basically called yoda a coward uh, yeah like so if you look at the perspective of luke dating all the way back to when he found out Vader was his father. I mean, yeah, he's the hero, and we all want him to be the hero, but he's he's also human. And so you find out your father is this Sith Lord who was trained by the person who introduced you to the Force, and then all the Jedi teachings failed, and he turned to the dark side and one of the baddest villains around that he had to fight. So he fought his own father. Yes, he managed to save his father, but... That doesn't mean that it didn't weigh on his mind. And then fast forward, he's trying to train up a new Jedi order, and all of a sudden the Jedi teachings fail yet again when his nephew turns to the dark side. Granted, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So his nephew turned to the dark side. Talking about the hermitness of Luke, that's got to do a number of one psyche. Like, yet again, the Jedi teachings are failing, and my students or student is turning to the dark side. Because the Jedi teachings is basically you can't let emotions overcome you, and he is the Jedi teachings is telling him to kill the Sith. His nephew is becoming the Sith, so he stands over his nephew, and he's tempted, warring with himself. Do I have to kill him because of the teachings? But he's my blood. How can I? So it's it's really kind of unfair to say that he's not human and he. He wouldn't have fallen to a place where his master Yoda did and felt... Losing hope in losing the Jedi hope teaching. And needing to just seclude himself. Yep. 
So I view episode eight as a big story of, you know, Luke's lost hope at this point, and it's a story of him getting that hope back through meeting and teaching Ray. And that's the part of that story I really like. I, yeah, I agree. Um, people take issue with the fact that Luke was tempted. He didn't actually attack Kylo. Like you said, he was warring with the self, and he was tempted with it, but he didn't actually act on that. It looked like through Kylo's eyes yeah. that he was acting on it, but no, he was standing there not sure what to do. But people still take issue with that temptation, but I think people forget that he was tempted by the dark side when he fought Vader in Episode Six. It was. He lashed out in anger, defeating Vader, and it wasn't until he saw himself in his father that he finally took that step back and threw the saber aside, um, turning back to the light again. Yep. So he's he is human. He's dealt with the temptation. He dealt with it with Kylie. Dealt with it with fighting his father and the Emperor. Um, and I think eight is a redemption story for his loss of hope. So there's that part of it. I liked uh, Ray and Kylo's story arc in episode eight. I actually loved the fact that Kylo just killed Snoke, right? Like right there, like, you know what? I'm done with you, boom. I loved it. People had issues, like, we don't even know who he came from. We don't know this. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that part. It was. It definitely added to the mystery of like, what the heck? And talk a little bit more about Episode Nine. Um, but yeah, it was. It was kind of cool just to see. Not all Sith are super bad, and it has to be some epic battle. He just outsmarted his master, and that was it. Yep. So. I'll, I'll, I, I, yeah, I'll jump into what I thought about Episode Eight. Um, if you guys want to hear somebody go. Ah, I loved it. It was the greatest of them all. Right, Alan? Episode 8. There was none better. None of them. The casino scene was the greatest. His face. <laughs> His face. I'm sorry you can't see it. You can come in and show your face if you want. Uh, episode 8 definitely... Oh, here he comes. Here he, episode oh. 8 definitely had its downfalls. I agree. Um, to be honest, I left left watching that movie thinking that was great i really enjoyed it but i allowed a lot of people alan included to convince me that it had a lot of faults and then i sat back and i really started thinking about it it definitely did have its issues one of them being the casino scene it wasn't needed no. uh, there could have been a lot more character development there could have been uh, the whole i'm sorry uh, i keep wanting to call him poe but it's finn yeah finn Finn and that girl that had a relationship that... Yeah. What? Where did that... Yeah. We'll get more into that into episode nine. It was random. And on the casino part, for me, not only was it not needed, it's generally the most disliked part of Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. For me, watching it in theater, it was the biggest letdown of The Last Jedi. Here's why. He went there to find the Codebreaker. He gets in the prison, and you hear this gruff voice talking to him from the cell... I'm in my seat in the theater. It's Lando! It's Lando! If it would have been Lando. It wasn't Lando. And I was, my heart just dropped. That would have made it. You're, that probably would have made the casino scene a lot better. I, yeah. I didn't even think about that. What? What's, <laughs> but I was saying, I, I'm thinking the entire time, like, is it Lando? Is it Lando? Then he talks like, it's Lando! Because it, you know, it's a dark, mm -hmm. um, like, kind of gruff voice. And I just, my mind went right to Lando. Who was the guy? 
do we ever see him again? Yeah, I forget the guy's name. Sure. Uh, he's he's in Mar he's in the Marvel universe. He's associated with Disney. Uh, he's the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy. He, he did not leave a mark in my head because I cannot picture him <laughs> at all. It was a, a poor choice, a poor um, written choice, directing choice, however you want to look at it. Yeah, the casino scene definitely brought the movie down a lot, but I don't think it destroyed the movie. I think um, it still really brought the two characters, Ray and Kylo, um, to a brighter light of who are they? What is their mystery? And you get to see this relationship forming with them. And it's it really um, it really built into the third one. So yep. So speaking on that, before we jump into spoilers, we're gonna spend three to five minutes talking about our spoiler-free reactions. So like if you were to go online and read a review that has no spoilers in it, like just your initial thoughts and reactions. That's what we're gonna talk about for just a short bit. And then we're going to jump into full-on spoiler talk, which we'll throw that thing up there so you guys can skip over it if you're watching the video on demand, um, or you can just hop off the video on Facebook if you're watching it live. If you're listening to the podcast, more than likely you're just going to have to skip a good 15 minutes to 20 minutes or just skip the rest of the episode, because I think that's going to take up the rest of the episode. And we can, on the description, we'll listen to it before we put it on the podcast, and we'll just say... This moment from this moment yeah, is spoilers, so you can see that in the description so we don't ruin anything for you. Yep, so that'll work. So, spoiler-free reaction to episode nine. You know, I left the theater thinking, oh, this was amazing, this was great. And then I had to sit back and think, was that a lot of IMAX? Because we saw it in IMAX. Um, it was definitely beautiful. It was a, a really, really good movie. However, I... I do feel like there was many parts that felt rushed. It felt let's get to the next, let's let's just dab a little bit here and get you to here. And yep. so that that bothered me a little bit. But overall, it's it's definitely the best of the new trilogy. I could agree with that. I walked away actually very happy with the movie. When the parts came up, I felt the same as him, rushed. I got to thinking about it and. If I could say anything that's not spoilerly, I will say that episode nine made me wish that J.J. Abrams had done episode eight. And oh, yeah. you just heard you just heard me. I am not a Last Jedi hater. I enjoyed it, but having seen episode nine, I wish Abrams would have been able to tie seven and nine together with episode eight. I agree. I'm I'm not really sure what they were thinking. I'm sure there's forms. I'm sure they had ideas. But I'm not sure what they were thinking moving J.J. from the second, from episode eight. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I guess it worked for, I mean, it's it's owned by Disney, just like Marvel. And it worked for Marvel. They had different directors for different Marvel series. But uh, they should have probably just stuck with J.J. Abram for all three. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. People give a lot of flack to the prequel trilogy because of the lack of execution. But at the very least, George Lucas was able to tell an overarching story over the three films there that did not feel disjointed or out of place. Yeah, you might have issues with certain parts of his story or certain execution, like with the actor or um, story elements, but at least episode one flows to episode three pretty well. 
Yeah, it really does. That eight proves that it didn't flow. There was a huge gap. Um, the casino scene being the biggest gap of it all. Um, <laughs> but uh, it definitely feels like th they made episode seven and then they made episode nine and they said, oh crap, we forgot. We need one in the middle and they just jammed one in there. <laughs> yep. So, stick and spoiler free just for one more second. For those of you in the chat saying you're scared to see nine, I get it. I've been there. I think Alan's the same way, scared to see nine. My personal recommendation is to go see it. Do not listen to the reviews that, because mainly the reviews are complaining about what you just hit on, is that some of it feels very rushed. I can tell you, spoiler free, all that rushed stuff is in the first probably half hour of the movie. Yeah, it is. It, it begins to even out and flow a lot better after you get past that. Um, and I don't think... I don't think the rushed section ruins the entirety of the movie. No, not at all. But some reviews are painting it that way. So I would definitely recommend going to see it. Um, I, mean, I think if it's, you if you want to stick around for the spoilers to get a better idea, go for it. But I wouldn't recommend it. Um, oh, we're gonna get deep talking about it. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not holding back. Yep, so. neither am I. Um, so I think that's a good segue into talking spoilers, but. Is Alan going to want to leave before we start talking spoilers? He's going to hang out? All right. All right. He's going to sit with us. Um, really quick, Alan, shout it out. Episode 8 is the best of them all, right? <laughs> he said, Go ahead. He said he would rather watch Jar Jar Binks on loop. On Ouch. Loop? Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Ouch. All right, God, so... I don't even know how to follow up with that one. <laughs> oh, and so we're getting into this here really quick. Um, shoot, we should have waited just a second longer. If you're still with us, um, as we're diving into spoilers... Oh, I forgot. Let's Our snacking game of the yeah. week. Let's, we're right, we'll, share, we'll share this one right here. There's, I, I don't even know if I like this. You will. You, you think we, so? We got this. So yeah. it's Pocky. Alan will know more about Pocky. Let's have a little brief intermission on Pocky. Alan, come here. Tell us about Pocky. Hi. Ooh, that sounds different. So thanks for having me on. Let me, just like, it's Pocky. If anybody's ever had Pocky before, I love it because it's literally chocolate on a stick. So have that there. No, it's not a literal stick, right? It's a biscuit Yeah, it's, stick. it's a biscuit. It's, it's, a, it's a biscuit stick. Right. And um, it's like a, per it's just a perfect gaming snack. There's no, there's almost virtually no mess. And there's a little packet and... That's it. Yummy. It's a little stick. So it seems like the people who really know what this is are like they come in and buy them by the handful or sometimes well, the box. They buy them by the box because you go through and you just you go through you just eat them so fast that it's like that it's you know it's easy to eat them. But you know it's like it's not filling it's not super. Uh, I don't know how to say this, but 
it's just a light snack. It's a nice chocolate snack, so it's not super sweet. It's not super bitter. It's just a nice, easy snack, and it's just mess-free. So, Bucky, Bucky, our snack of the week. We'll be right back in about 10 seconds. And we are back with Matt. Oh, technical difficulties. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, Mike got muted. We had to fix it real quick. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's that's the technical excuse. I was just really enjoying these. Oh, yeah? Okay. So, Baki, that's our snack of the week. What is our game of the week? Well, as I was saying earlier, I was playing Star Wars before you rudely interrupted it for a what show. You, you're still on that game? I beat it like two weeks ago. Shut it. I got, I got stuff to do. No, yeah, Star Wars The Fallen Order. Or, did I get that right? Yep, Jedi Fallen Order. It's actually a really fun game. Um, EA did it right. Yeah. EA did it right. They messed up. With, we, we kind of already mentioned this last episode. But yeah, EA did it right. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I highly recommend giving it a shot. Yeah, so for those of you who are scared after Battlefront 1, Battlefront 2, anything else EA, <laughs> there's zero loot boxes zero microtransactions. I can't say there won't be DLC. I actually kind of want to see DLC after being the game. But yeah. But DLC is kind of a different beast than loot box or microtransactions. The microtransactions is, oh, here's a skin that you have to pay real money for or loot box. You have a chance of getting this skin or a chance of getting this weapon if you buy this box. There's none of that. It's just pure story, unadulterated content. It's really good. All right, guys, I'm sure you're waiting and ready and we've already held it off for as long as we could let's get it back up there rise of the skywalker spoilers so if you're watching live now is your time to dip out full warning now is your time to dip out if you don't want to hear anything or any spoilers for rise of skywalker if you're watching the video on demand and you want to catch the end of the show you can skip ahead until you don't see this anymore on top of the screen because once that's gone we're done talking spoilers i cannot believe Bader adopted baby Yoda. Spoilers. <laughs> so that All was right. a joke. But yeah. as for the real spoilers, let's move on. <laughs> Last chance. That. that was a joke from earlier yesterday. I, his wife wants to see the movie, and so I sent him a message. Hey, did you tell your wife um, that they revived Darth Vader to save the universe? I was just making stuff up. That doesn't actually happen. And then he just played right along. It's like, yeah, and uh, I can't believe that Vader adopted baby Yoda. And, <laughs> and then I think you went to a tangent about baby oh, Palpatine. So, yeah, I basically, it was, it was great. I, basically, I did a little thing on um, Palpatine's talking to Ray. You shall join the dark side. And Ray responds with, no, 
you join the light side. And he goes, oh no. And all the good starts to get into his heart. And he turns into baby Palpatine. That's right. And him and baby Yoda become best friends and eat frogs together. And then Darth Vader adapts them. And he's like, baby Yoda, you be good. And he's like, baby Palpatine, you be good. And then Anakin balanced to the force. <laughs> um, safe to say none of that happens, but... All of it happens. <laughs> first spoiler to the spoiler chat. Palpatine, Palpatine is, in fact, in episode nine. I mean, that's not a spoiler. His voice was on the but no, But nobody really knew in what capacity. True. Like, maybe it was a force ghost or something. They didn't know in what capacity. Um, it happens right off the beginning. Um, now that we're trying to spoil it for people, like, hopefully you're gone by now, but... Yeah, we um, gave you plenty of warning. There. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, it goes down this monta- montage sequence Ow. of Kylo searching for a Wayfinder to find the hidden planet of the Sith, and then he finds the planet, encounters Palpatine, goes to kill Palpatine. Palpatine essentially says... If you kill Ray, I'll give you this entire fleet of Star Destroyers. It's like, okay. And that happens in the what? The first 30 seconds? What is the ship? What ship? Ship, the, the, the fleet. Is that Those weren't called Star Destroyers, were they? They were, they were Star Destroyers. Oh, yeah, it was the Death Star. So, yeah, it was actually Star Destroyers with the Death Star cannon. Yep. We don't find that until later, but the point I was trying to make is, like... All of that I just said happened in like 30 seconds of film time. That's how rushed the first half, half hour is. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. So let's talk about that. Why do you think he felt really rushed with that first half hour? Well, I think they knew that they had a lot to put in, and that could have easily been two movies. Um, and I think J.J. Abrams realized, I should have done, I should have done the last one. <laughs> Because it could have been a nice, smooth transition. The last movie, honestly, probably should have ended with Palpatine. Yeah. And so I have the exact same thought that a lot of the rushed erraticness of the first half hour of Rise of Skywalker could have been filtered into an episode eight as a lead up to episode nine. Once you get half hour in and it stops being rushed and it finally slows down a bit, that to the end should have probably been episode nine, and the first half hour should have been spread. Heck, you could have even made it a really cool, um, I know Star Wars doesn't really do after credits, but shoot, I would have, if you, anything, just threw it in the after credits or something. Palpatine standing there offering Kylo Ren a fleet of Star Destroyers. Yeah. That would have been like, oh, and everybody's going to go flooding to the theaters. Promise. So here's what I think happened. I think J.J. Abrams had a vision for the new trilogy overarching story. And he started it with episode seven. And then it got criticized for being too much like New Hope. And that was all over the place. Then Disney tapped Rian Johnson to do episode eight. Like, oh, fans are not wanting the same. So let's do everything different. Because that's what last time it essentially was. Like, everything that you would have expected to happen in Last Jedi... He did the opposite. Yeah. I, they, they definitely listened too much. Instead of following really... A plan for the... A plan, what, what they had envisioned. Um, they didn't trust that 
we the viewers would over time eventually go we judged it harshly too soon yep. and say you you followed a plan and now we see your vision because while the last jedi doesn't necessarily retcon what abrams did in episode seven it definitely went down a different path than what abrams was anticipating and so abrams had his vision for episode nine and in order for that to happen he essentially had to retcon most of what happened in the last jedi in the first half hour you know, the first half hour isn't just set up for the rest of the movie. It's also a lot of retconning what Rian Johnson did well, in the last not Jedi. Not entirely retconning, because they did... It, it was a mixture of we'll trying say, to... He didn't essentially say it didn't happen, but, like, the Holdo sequence, where she did the light speed through the Star Destroyer. That, that, that was just gone. Well, like, it happened... But somebody, one of the characters, suggested, why don't we do the Holdo maneuver? And Poe's like, that's a one in a million chance it's lucky. And, you know, essentially just writing it off as we can't do it again. Um, the Asian character, I forget her name, Rose? Yes, yes. The one that Rose. fans didn't like. Um, essentially early on, Finn and everybody's going on a mission. And Rose, or F Finn says, Rose, come with us. She says, no, I can't. And that's the last you really see of her. <laughs> I mean, you see a little bit of her, but they definitely cut out any relationship between oh, those yeah. two. Um, so, um, yeah, that's the whole light speed into the other ship. They, It was more the scene when they go through that big, huge worm. Yep. That was the same hyperdrive, yet it didn't kill the worm. It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I'm not even sure. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, in episode seven, she hyperdrives through the ship. Oh, and destroys yeah, the ship. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I know and what you're so talking about. So, episode eight, I'm sorry, episode eight, he hyperdrives through the ship to destroy the ship, or she does. In episode nine, Poe hyperdrives through the worm to save themselves in the last second and destroying the two TIE fighters that were chasing them. Yeah. How come that didn't kill the worm and destroy them? That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, maybe because worms organic and not metallic. Uh, there's there's something there that's not making any sense to me. But that's the thing with the first if half hour. If you guys understand what I'm saying and you have the answer for it, but for every comment, that's what like, people are having issue with this movie is how rushed the first half hours, because they don't really explain a whole lot. They just jump from one topic to the next to the next, trying to put all the pieces in place for the grand finale. Um, I agree. I wasn't upset with Revelation 8 that Ray was a nobody, but I equally wasn't upset that it was revealed in Episode 9 that she's a Palpatine. Um, I think it's very easily plausible that Kylo either lied to her or was just misinformed himself about her parents. So I don't think that was necessarily a retcon. It was just a different perspective slash interpretation. Um, that might have just been... It, it wasn't necessarily a Kylo Ren said she's a nobody because he believed that. It was she's a nobody because... He felt that that would be one way to twist her to the dark side. I was saying, like, it's very plausible that a lot of different scenarios could have happened that led to him saying that to her. So I don't feel like all of a sudden she's a Palpatine is retconning what Rian Johnson did. It's just a different perspective and a new enlightenment, I guess, of her origin. 
it was more of because you can clearly tell that once again Palpatine is pulling the strings on everything. Oh yeah. So in that moment, Palpatine probably just convinced him that she was a nobody, to in hopes start to change her towards the dark side. Yep. Yep. Uh, quick hit on Palpatine. Another fantastic performance by Ian McDerm. I can never pronounce his last name. Oh yeah, I no arguments there. <laughs> fantastic. Um, some people were saying that they're kind of tired of the whole puppet master, let's move on from Palpatine, but you're going to have everybody having some kind of comments. He did a great job, and I thought I thought it was amazing that he came mm-hmm. back. So, yep. But then again, I, I enjoy the whole hidden puppet master. It's uh, I enjoy that story oh, yeah. arc. And then something, too, with Palpatine, it actually answers one of the questions that fans had an issue with The Last Jedi after Snoke dies. Like, we never get to know where he came from. We know where he came from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, being essentially cloned and created by the Emperor to manipulate Kylo. question is, was he one of the first bodies that Palpatine was trying to, his spirit, to take over? And Maybe. it was just a failed attempt, so he just made him a Sith? Or... There's still a lot of questions. That There's still some questions, right. but mm-hmm. at least now, one, Snoke and the First Order, for that matter, are no longer big mysteries. Like, where do they come from? What, like, what started the First Order? And I actually had this prediction before we saw it. Um, we we're talking about the First Order, where it came from, and I was talking to my cousin. And I said, I honestly think that the First Order was. Emperor Palpatine's first order. You know, we got Order 66, and then there's the first order, and then he goes into the final commander, the last order. It was the final order. Yep. Yep. I liked that. I thought that was cool. Yep. So, once you get past all of the rushed erraticness of the first half hour, we said it earlier, it slows down. I think that point of slowing down is when they were on that planet by Endor that the Death Star was on. I forget the name of the planet. Yeah, I can't tell you. But I think it was finally that moment that we were, as viewers, finally able to breathe and slow down for a second. Um, you know, because we had the new characters there. There were some nice conversations there. Ray going off her own in the Death Star. That fight, oh my gosh. That fight with Kylo on the Death Star with the waves crashing and waterfall. That was an amazing sequence right there. Yeah, those, those battles were all really well done. I mean, even though it was rushed in the beginning... That first battle with Kylo Ren and the war to get the holocron, yeah. I thought that was really good. And that was the launching platform for the rest of the movie, which, again, the rest of the movie is great. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm saying, even though, like like we were talking, it was rushed to be, even th- that fight alone, just, they did a very good job with the, uh, what would you call it, the fighting set The choreography? The choreography. Yeah. And it was very meaningful, too, because at that point, Ray was struggling innerly of um, dealing with, what's the word? I guess, self-doubt, I guess. That'd probably be a good word. Well, and once, I mean, that goes back to Kylo Ren did a really good job convincing her that she was a nobody. What what better way to have you self-doubt yourself if you're just a nobody? Yep. So. And something, too. We talked about the light side versus the dark side. Something that was started to be hinted at in episode eight was the balance. Not necessarily light versus dark, but finding the balance in between. And we both think that Ray is an advocate for that balance. Well, 
they actually did touch up on that. The balance was never, well, I guess this is, depends on how you choose to view it, but I've chosen to view it. The balance was never about light and dark. It was about the balance between life and power was completely unbalanced in short. And huge spoiler, Ray and should I continue or should we save this till a little later? Ray and Kylo was, um, as Palpatine put it, once in a millennia does ever both the balance or both life and power live side by side. That's what that's what Ray and Kylo represented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I jumped ahead quite a bit. Yeah, we see evidence of Ray being the the good guy, the hero while still using the dark side of the force. She wasn't Sith. She wasn't fully dark side, but neither was she fully light side. She touched on both halves of the force, creating kind of a balanced force user. The purple saber. Save. We were talking the other day yeah. about the color coronate, cor- the color of the sabers meaning something. You informed me that they really don't. But According to canon, fan fiction might speak otherwise, but... Um, Moving ahead, and oh, Kylo's the other one too. While he is mostly fully dark side by the end, he touches on the light and still uses some dark side. So he's another advocate for balance. Well, um, clearly, from the first episode all the way through—I'm sorry, the seventh through the eighth and through the ninth—he's struggling with both. Mm-hmm. St- you know, always going back to why is that light side following me? Why is that light side following me? He can never fully emerge into the dark side. Yep. And so we actually, I talked a little bit about with my cousin, but we haven't talked about our thoughts on certain parts. I thought, prior to going in, I just assumed that Abram's going to use Ray to turn Kylo Ren back to the good. And while she had a part to play in it, I was very happy to see that it was Leia and the memory of Han mm-hmm. that turned him back. I was, that was a really sweet moment. Um, it was really cool to watch in the theater when that happened. A lot of people were really upset that they were bringing Han back as a force projection like Luke and the rest of them do. Um, but in the movie, they kind of squash that. There's a conversation between Han Solo and his son, Kylo. And Kylo says, you're just a memory. So that... That appeased many of the people that are like, Han Solo's not a Force user. He can't come back as a Force projection. It was just a memory that... Well, that and even the scene itself very largely mimicked the scene in which Han confronted him in Episode 7. It was almost word for word. Yep. So if if, if not completely word for word, it was almost word for word. Only this time Kylo threw the lightsaber away instead of stabbing his dad through the heart. I liked that scene a lot. Oh, I did too, because it was probably the only way Kylo was going to turn back is, one, you could evidently see that his father's death was haunting him, even in episode eight. And I think we also had evidence of him second-guessing his own darkness when he had a chance to blow up Leia's ship, and he didn't take it. I disagree with you that it was the only way. And I say that because I was actually talking to somebody yesterday, and he said that, and we all dearly miss um, 
Carrie Fisher, but she clearly was not alive to do the scene. But if she was, she would have been the voice. She would have been the projection. No, 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 no. I'm saying his parents were the only way to probably. Oh, I thought you met Han Solo. No, no, no. I'm saying his parents. I think I think that's the way that they actually would have went. It was. It would have been her there. Yeah. It would have been her to, because he never had the chance to actually speak to his mother again. Very true. And when she just, all he got to hear was Ben. And I think he felt, or he sensed her and through the force. No, he heard her, he sensed her, because she said Ben, and he heard her, and he turned. He was looking for her. And she, if Carrie Fisher was still with us, she would have been the one that he turned to see. Yeah. I really think. And that would have been a really, really touching scene. Granted, I really enjoyed seeing Han Solo back into it. And um, that scene was good in itself. No hate on it at all. But it would have definitely been a lot more powerful with Gary Fisher. I can agree with that. Then two days does a number on the brain. After that. I know. We, we, I, we should have watched it like two hours ago. It just yeah. came in. <laughs> it, like... Like first-hand experience reactions. No, but I still have some good thoughts on it. So after that, Ray took the Wayfinder. No, no. She went to Octo to confront Luke's ghost. Yes. Which... She didn't mean to confront Luke's ghost. She tried to throw Luke's saber into, into the, the fire. fire. And She he... tried to pull a Luke from Episode Eight and be a hermit. And essentially, Luke showed up as a ghost, caught the lightsaber, and through a simple word of saying, a lightsaber should be treated with more respect... It's his way of telling her that he was wrong in acting the way he did from episode eight. And he even used those words. He said, I was wrong. I allowed fear to cause me to be here. Yep. Yeah. So for those that felt that they misportrayed Luke Skywalker, he straight up admits it in episode nine. I allowed fear because he's human. Yeah, he is human. And he allowed fear to convince himself to seclude. And then he essentially talks her back into fighting the good fight, brings his X-Wing out. It was cool to see Ray using Luke's uh, X-Wing with his helmet flying to the Sith planet Exegol, I think it was the name. Full circle. Yep, comes full circle. So she goes to Exegol. She tells the Resistance how to find her. They go there, big battle, big fight. Um, So the confrontation with Palpatine and Ray. Any major thoughts on that? It was just, like we'd already mentioned, it was it was exciting to see Palpatine back on the screen. The actor who played Palpatine, I couldn't say his name. Um, I was just, I was thrilled with that, and just to listen to him. Oh, yeah. He's so good as a puppet master. Just, oh, yeah. his words are so manipulative. And he's definitely this, the shining force of the majority of the, well, probably all the prequels. Um, besides Vader, he's definitely one of the shining forces of the originals. And, uh, yeah, he, he's probably one of the main reasons. Granted, uh, Ray and Kylo, I, I really enjoyed them. They did a fantastic, jo- fantastic job. The actors did a great job coming together. Um, but... To have him as that final bad the, guy. The centerpiece. The centerpiece really brought it all together. But not only that, but people, I think, are assuming that they're just throwing Palpatine in here as a fan service. For, like, no. The way it's portrayed, and you can even see evidence of this 
in episode seven, you know, the other one that JJ was. I think I think Palpatine coming back in episode nine was part of Abrams' plan all along. He was just waiting for the right time to reveal it. But the way the story unfolds, Palpatine is the villain of the entire new trilogy. He's pulling the strings, like you were saying, the entire yes. time with Snoke. So just because you don't see his face in Episode 7 or 8 doesn't mean that he's not the villain oh, behind he it was, all. He was there. He was the villain the entire... As soon as you hear his voice, you know he's the one pulling the strings. Because that's what he does. He showed his ability to manipulate so well in the prequels that you don't need to see him to know that he was behind it all. Yep, I agree. Uh, so essentially, Palpatine wants Rey to kill him because he knows that she's... The granddaughter, because that's the way the Sith works. You the, the the apprentice kills the master, so then the power goes into the apprentice, and you become the power and the spirit of the all spirit. The Sith. You become all the Sith. Palpatine's job was to basically his spirit would move on to his granddaughter, and she would become all of the Sith. Yep. But she chose to become all of the Jedi. After a little backup from Kylo Ren, who is now fully turned to the light. Really cool. I, so they touched on something that's never been talked about because it's a new concept. Um, the Force Dyad. Did you catch that? Catch that. The Force Dyad. It's two beings so deeply connected to each other through the Force. That's why, like, in Episode Eight, Kylo and Rey were able to essentially see it's... and talk to each other. Um, through such a long distance. It's because they, the, the dyad as you used, like Palpatine said, both the life and the power. Am I, those are the words he used. I, I can't remember. I have to watch again, but probably. <laughs> I think it was the life and the power lived together, coexisted together, which is not something the Force often does and embodied into a person. And so, yeah, like he said, they're the di- They're they're so strongly connected that they could do such cool things as transfer a lightsaber. <laughs> yes, you've got to see that. That scene alone was amazing. A lot of people might be like, "That's stupid," but I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah, I, like I, so, Kylo's backed up against the wall, the knights are around him, and then because he's got that connection with Ray, Ray shows up with two lightsabers, two blue lightsabers. Um, she holds it behind her back. Like, as if she's about to kill the Emperor. Yeah, the Emperor thinks he's about, she's about to go in for the kill like this, and then she pulls her hand out, and there's no saber, and it goes back to Kylo Ren, and he's got his hand here, and he pulls it out because he didn't bring a saber with him. He threw his into the water, but now he's got a blue, blue saber, and he wrecks. He wrecks those. What did you call them? Knights of Ren. Knights of Ren. Yeah, yep. he destroys them, and then she quickly pulls out her extra saber, and... They together go up against Palpatine for... Yeah, seeing them side by side with two blue lightsabers, that was a really cool moment. Yeah, and uh, they, there was no fight. <laughs> Palpatine's just like, oh, you want to go? And he force pushes the crap out of them. I love the line that he used. Uh, now fall down like your... Or no, your grandfather threw me down. Oh, yeah. yeah. And said, so now I throw you down a cliff. Mm-hmm. And... Kylo goes falling, and he looks dead. Yep. Uh, but then, yeah, so the final showdown is Rey and Palpatine, which we finally get to see all of the Sith versus all of the Jedi through the two conduits that are Rey and Palpatine. And something really cool happened. 
with um, the all of the Jedi moment with Rey. Oh, yes. So really quickly, he was talking about the dyad of the Force. Palpatine is come back because through cloning process but he came back his hands were destroyed he didn't have his fingers he you know he just looked like an incomplete clone so yeah. his plan was originally like we said he was going to go into ray um but then he realized this is both force and life together and he drained them of their power causing him to regenerate his body and increase his strength at least tenfold and for a palpatine that's crazy so, yeah, after he does that, he throws Kylo Ren off, and she's knocked out completely. Kylo Ren is assumed to be dead. Yeah. In this movie, in, in episode eight, it was believed that there was no hope left for the, re, the rep, resistance. The, the resistance. <laughs> Nobody came in episode eight. But they decided, you know what? If they know we're fighting, they're going to come. So in episode nine, that's what happens. A huge fleet comes. I mean, just a gigantic fleet. They come flying in. They're destroying the Star Destroyers. They're winning the battle. Everything is looking great. Palpatine sits. He sits in his throne. He picks his hands up, and he lightnings the crap out of the sky. He lights them up, quite literally. They're all falling. It was shocking. They're all all (laughs) falling. Sorry. That's so bad. <laughs> Sorry. They're all... Yeah, the ships can't even keep in the sky. They're falling to their death, and Ray just sits there whispering, be with me. The be Jedi. with me. She's speaking to the Jedi, and that's when we get the awesome display. display. So, nice... This was nice fan service, because there was a lot of fans that wanted to see characters like Ahsoka Tano, um, and there's another Jedi, I can't remember the name, but from the Rebels series. They, like, Fans love these guys, but they never get love in the movies. So we get this montage of all past Jedi, not all, but a lot of past Jedis <laughs> speaking to Rey through the Force. You obviously have Luke, um, Yoda. Yoda, but then some of the Obi-Wan cool Kenobi. ones. Yeah, there's Obi-Wan, Mace Windu, Ahsoka Tano, the Jedi from Rebels. And I think there's- it was even said that um, one of my favorites, um, Mace, or I mean Obi-Wan's master, Oh, yeah, Qui-Gon. Yep, he was one of them. So that was awesome. Yep. So they speak to her, like, we are with you, and then that gives her the strength to stand up and face off against the Emperor one last time. Yeah. I I didn't get to catch all the voices myself, but it was still really cool to just pick up all those voices, basically empowering her as where... (laughs) Sorry. One of the voices was Hayden Christensen. Some people hate, but I still thought it was cool. Oh yeah, um, I, just, I, was I mean, he is—he is Anakin, he is Darth Vader. Um, I guess James Earl Jones saying "I'm with you" wouldn't have had the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we should get um, a petition out there. Change it to James Earl Jones. <laughs> Be so and, bad. Whereas Palpatine was all the Sith. Ray was all the Jedi, and that's what the battle came down to: was all the Sith versus all the Jedi. And I guess, in a sense, the balance in the Force. Not only that, but I know that this movie's kind of about balance and not necessarily um, being all light versus dark. But Jedi, if you look into fan, I'm not going to get into too far into it, but it used to be more about balance than it was light versus dark. But anyway, point I'm trying to make: 
one of the first things we learn about Jedi in this entire series, from episode four, Obi-Wan saying, always for defense, never for attack. In that final sequence, who was attacking, who was defending? Oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah. All she did was sit there. Yeah, um, Palpatine came up, he used his force lightning, and she took both the lightsabers. Actually, she started with one, deflecting one, and then she used the force to bring the other, nope. deflects them both. That was a cool thing, too, because Kylo Ren took the other lightsaber down the cliff. What was the other saber that she used? She used two sabers. His. His. That was our nod to that he was still there or helping her out. She put her hand behind her back. The other saber came to her, and she brought it up. That other saber she brought up was the one that Kylo Ren had when he went down the cliff. Catch that. Yeah. I'll have to catch that again. But you're right. Yeah, She brings the second saber up. Yeah. And and she just defense deflects that lightning right back into Palpatine. He explodes, just power going out, destroying his, what would you call that, his dark chamber, <laughs> <laughs> and killing like hundreds upon hundreds of what, Sith what ghosts. You, Sith ghosts, um, followers. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, a great movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice little touching moment at the end. Ray is essentially dead from the exertion of power and everything. Kylo is stumbling back out of the cliff. He sees her, and they'd used it a couple of times. She healed him when she actually stabbed him in the fight on the old broken-down Death Star, but she healed him, which is one of the components that probably led him also to turning from the darkness. Yep, I um, agree. But he did the same thing. He healed her, brought her back, but in doing so... Actually, I don't think he healed her. I think he transferred his... She had the power to heal. He just had the power to transfer basically his life essence to her. I can see that. Because he ends up dying. Yep, he does. Which is sad, but when he was walking up and we all thought Ray was dead, I was thinking in the back of my mind is, what kind of future does Kylo Ren have? He's not going to be welcomed back with open arms. Like, the only future he might have had is with Rey, and she's dead. So transferring what was left of his life to her so that she could live, I thought it was a nice end to him, because I think he probably realized he didn't have a future without her either. I had somebody mention that they absolutely hated, because there is a kiss in this, in this scene between Kylo and Rey. He said he absolutely hated that kiss. It felt forced. And you know what? I do completely agree with him. I feel like that scene would have been much more perfectly displayed if basically they put their heads together, you know, like just their heads sitting at each other, holding each other, and right then he went with the force and vanished. They didn't need the kiss. The kiss was forced. I did like that he vanished. I didn't have an issue with the kiss, mainly because I felt like it's been led up to from eight to nine and their connection. Um, you know, there, was, there was definitely a relationship between them, and you can even imagine that maybe if they would have survived, they would have became a couple. But they, they didn't need to do the kiss to prove that they would have been a couple. I, I can disagree. I was okay with it. I felt like... Their relationship can't, led you can't to that point. Here, you suck, and I'm <laughs> right. I was okay with it. Um, I felt like it was properly led up to with their connection. Like they fought side by side in Episode Eight before they went to turn on each other again, and then 
you know, they they shared that connection where Ray didn't ever she didn't really share that type of connection with anybody her entire life. You know who else shared a really good connection that kissed? Luke and Leia. Sam. Uh, uh, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. What I'm getting at, you look at Ray, who didn't have parents. She didn't have any type of deep, meaningful connection until she started to get close to Finn. But even then, it was more of a friendship, at least the way I saw it in her eyes. Like, her relationship with Finn is vastly different than her relationship with Kylo. And I think because of that, she just clung to him in that moment. After he turned, came to her aid, and fought side by side with her against the Emperor. I can respect that. I can respect a decision that's not mine. <gasps> with that uh, being said, I think we're actually going to wrap this up because we went really deep into this for you guys. So, finishing up the movie, we talked a little bit about our thoughts. I think the end is probably one of your favorite segments because you were hitting on that. You couldn't wait to talk about that part on Tatooine. What are we talking about? You're going to have to remind me. He buried two lightsabers, leaving her with what? Oh, yes. The golden saber. The balance. Or at least that's what I thought. Yeah. And I'm fine with that because she is a force for balance. I get it. Um, so essentially she took Luke and Leia's lightsaber, buried it on Tatooine next to his childhood home, and... As she is staring off into the twin sun sunset, you know, a callback to episode four, she pulls out her golden saber right at the end of the movie. It's, it's uh, definitely unique. I mean, I've never seen a saber turn on the way that hers did. Yeah. She had this weird mechanic. It was it was really cool. I would check her saber out for sure. Go see the movie just to see the saber. It, it was, I liked it a lot. And overall, I thought it was a fitting end to a 42-year saga. <laughs> oh, I did want to hit on a couple Easter eggs. The voices when she called on the Jedi, Easter egg number one. Um, it was really weird when they went into that festival and there was a like an emphasis on this happens every 42 years. Oh, and yeah. when we were watching the movie, I'm like, why did they emphasize 42? And like, it was a throwback. That was the very first day that Star Wars came into theaters. Yep. So, so that, there was that throwback. It was a it was a party, and just like the older trilogy, it was all about the parties whenever they succeeded, and yeah, mm -hmm. it was it was a cruel throwback. So a couple others, um, when all the fleet showed up to help the resistance, there was a couple ships in there that were from the Clone Wars and the Rebels series that was more fan service. Wedge Antilles, cool. Wedge Antilles from the original trilogy, he was on the Millennium Falcon with uh, Lando. Okay. Yeah, I did read about Wedge being in there. Yep. He had just like a 10-second cameo in that. Yep. Yep. They showed him as in the gunner seat when Lando showed up. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. I remember now. There was a couple others. some but... of the cameos that I saw, but I can't. Don Monaghan was a decently major. Now, he's not a major character, but he was a poignant Who? character. Who's that? Don Monaghan, man. It's Mary from Lord of the Rings. I, I can't with you right now. <laughs> Don Monahan. So we had all that he said. 
Let's see if any more. Palpatine quotes himself from Revenge of the Sith. That's of another course. little Easter egg. The Wayfinders look like the holocrons from the Star Wars books, comics, and cartoons. Chewbacca cheating at the uh, hollow chess. Yep. is a little throwback to when he was playing against R2-D2. Mm -hmm. And he growls at R2-D2, just people assuming that Chewbacca, just, because he was losing, so Chewbacca just cheats, scaring R2-D2 off. Um, so they were playing. Go ahead. Go ahead. On the Chewie note, one of the biggest issues fans have with the original trilogy is the fact that Chewie doesn't get a medal after Episode Four, but Luke and Han do. Hmm? Guess what Chewie gets after Leia dies or gives her life to try and turn Ben back. Oh, spoiler, Leia died. We never told you that. Well, this whole thing is spoiler. That's what we got this for. <laughs> anyway, that was actually very heartbreaking to see. When they get back and Chewie hears that Leia dies and oh, you see gosh. his reaction. He fell to his knees and yeah. he shouted loud. I've never heard Chewbacca shout that loud. I almost teared. Yeah, that was sad. That was so sad. But um, one of the aides comes to Chewie and hands him a package. says, Leia wanted you to have this. And it was the exact replica of the medal that Han and Luke got at the end of Episode 4. So that was a really cool fan service to see in that moment. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm still eating Pocky, sorry. Yeah, I gobbled mine down. So, overall, recommend seeing it. I enjoyed it a lot. I think Matt did too. Um, I did. I did. If I was to give it a rating, I would definitely give it a solid, solid eight. I think I would. I'd give it a solid eight. I was thinking um, eight too. Maybe eight point eight. A great point eight. <laughs> and I was cheesy. Um, yeah. Great I, point eight. Great point. I. Moving on. Shocking. I. Yeah. I just just the 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 forest feeling in some scenes and how rushed it felt uh, knocks it down a little bit for me. Yeah, same. But uh, um, it's not as good as episode 8 being a solid 10. Alan, I, Alan stopped listening. I honestly think The Rise of Skywalker could have been a 10 had the first half hour been integrated into J.J. Uh, Abrams' episode 8. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think Tim's waiting for us, so let's go back to... No more spoilers. We can't talk anymore. No more at all. So, we got the holidays coming up. Door will not be open for the next couple of days. We will be back on Thursday with Commander Night, I believe, unless somebody didn't tell me. Okay, we are going to have Commander. Friday night, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Weekend as normal. And then next Tuesday, our New Year's Eve party. Again, can't wait for that. Um, and we will be doing a nerd show next Monday as well, right? Yes. Yep. So, yeah, we were going to just do every other week, which we still are doing every other week, but we just wanted to throw this in here for you just before the holidays, give you a little something. Hopefully you guys are enjoying these. We would love to hear any feedback, any comments. We just want to connect with you, and we want you to connect with us. So, yeah, we'd definitely love to hear from you guys. Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us um, on our Discord channel, if you're not on it, it's on our Facebook but we do a lot of talking and feedback stuff on Discord. We have a nerd show channel on Discord. You feel free to ask questions, give us some feedback on there. We'd love to hear from you. If you are on Facebook, you can message us on Facebook, um, Facebook Messenger. 
Um, and then if you don't have either of those two and you still want to get a hold of us, you can email us at nerdhqqc at gmail.com. Any of those will work. We'll check those on a daily basis or semi-daily basis. And again, we'd love to hear back from you with any feedback regarding the show or the store in general. Questions you want to touch on some of what we talked about, you want us to respond to, just uh, ideas for the show. Uh, one of my favorite parts for the show is our cold openings at the beginning, so I hope you're enjoying <laughs> those. Uh, shoot, you can even give us some cold opening ideas. Uh, just anything you guys want to do to connect with us, we would definitely love to hear from you. Absolutely. So with that, I think we're at our show's end. Yeah, right. this is the end here. Last week we forgot something, but we're going to make sure we get it in here. Um, that's us from The Nerds Show. I'm Mike. <laughs> He's I'm Matt. Matt. We're the nerds. We're the nerds. <laughs> you stay nerdy, Quad Cities. <laughs>